I am Daniel Lukies and welcome to Book 101. Book 101 is all about the books that I read for the last 40 years and today I have my special guest. He is the author of several books, no other than Mr. JCM Burn. Hello, Daniel. How are you? I'm fabulous like you, Mr. Burn. <laughs> it's a pleasure <laughs> and, to be here. And welcome to Book you. 101. So can you please introduce yourself more? Sure. So uh, I'm Joe. Uh, I, go by J- I write under JCM Burn. And uh, I've written uh, three novels that are out and uh, two more that are coming out hopefully this year. And I write, uh, let's see, best way to explain it, I think, uh, I write something sort of like a Marvel movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, something like that. with some little bit of humor, some space opera action, some superheroes, and a little bit of humor, a little bit of redemption, and uh, just an overall good time. At least that's the plan. Yes. So. I learned from your Amazon profile that you are a programmer by day. I am, yes. I work in the financial industry. Uh, I write code uh, for a company that sells financial data, which is, uh, I don't know that it's very interesting, but it pays the bills. Uh, It's a a pretty good job. But uh, at some point a few years ago, I felt a little bit creatively stifled, I think. I wanted to do something a little more fun. So I started writing novels and then I uh, decided if I'm going to write them, other people should be reading them. Otherwise, it's kind of a waste of time. So I published them. So I'm up to three now. And like I said, four four is uh, uh, being uh, beta read and getting ready to go. Getting right now. I just finished chapter six of book five, the fifth book. Wow, sounds interesting, Mr. Byrne. So yeah. what is the big difference of being writing a program and writing a novel? I'll tell you the big difference. When you write software, you are given uh, a goal by someone else. So someone else is saying, you know, I want a program that's going to take, you know, data from this file and load it in this database or something like that. That's typically what I do. So you're getting the constraints the, the goal from someone else, from your boss, which is totally appropriate. They're the ones paying me. Uh, with a book, it's I'm deciding. Uh, I don't write a book that someone tells me that, to write. I don't write a book that someone says they want to read. I'm writing the book that I want to read. I'm writing the book that I love. I find some something that I love in fiction and I want to reproduce it or I want to fix it if I see a problem in a book and I want to do it in quote unquote right or in a way that I think is right. So I'm the one making those decisions. It's like being your own boss, except there are no clients. And I mean, ideally, other people will also enjoy what I'm writing. I mean, I'd like to sell books. That would be that would be great. But in a way, I don't have to. Uh, I really just have to write what I want. And so it's completely different in that sense. But the way the flow of thinking when you're writing a program in novel, is it the same? Uh, not for me. I know other programmers who say they feel a lot of similarities between them, but to me, it doesn't feel the same. I don't think of them the same way. Uh, I think, um, you know, with programming, there's usually a single best way to achieve the goal, um, or at least the best way that I can think of. And with writing, I often find that there's a lot more flexibility. There's a lot more, there's a lot more art, art, artistry to it, in my opinion. Uh, uh, the, you can have nuance, you know, you can tell a story and tell the story and then you can tell, but you rewrite a few paragraphs and they're funnier or they're a little more exciting. 
with software, at least in my job, for the most part, it either worked. I have very hard lines. And uh, if it works, it's great. It's perfect. And there's not, nothing to touch. With a with a writing fiction, I can always tweak the a slightly better adjective to use in this one situation. I can make a line of dialogue just a little funnier or a little more realistic, um, sound a little better, carry a character's voice a little more strongly. So it's much more open-ended. Like I said, with, with software, I often find that, you know, like I said, uh, I'm given a task this data loaded in this place and it either works or it doesn't and if it does then i'm done and I'm done but uh right writing is a little more um tricky so which more you enjoy the most uh <laughs> well uh, don't tell my boss but i probably like writing <laughs> i probably like writing more um you know uh i also like however i like eating and i like paying my mortgage so my day job isn't going to be going anywhere anytime soon. But um, the, writing, the writing process is more of an expression of, like I said, the things that I really love to consume. Uh, so it's a little more dear to my heart, I think, the writing fiction. Yes, definitely. So let's go to your uh, hobbies. What are the hobbies that you like when you're not doing writing a program or a novel? Yeah, so... Um, you know, over my lifetime, I've had a, a lot of hobbies. I've read a lot. I read a lot of, I've read a lot of books, mostly fiction, uh, science fiction and fantasy for the most part. Although I, I had periods where I read, you know, more, more literary stuff. I've read, I've read, you know, I had periods where I read a lot of mystery. I had periods where I read thrillers, but mostly fantasy and science fiction since I was, you know, going on 40 years now. I've read a lot of comic books. Um, I got into comic books when I was about, you know, not nine or 10 and uh, read, you know, heavily from comic books for, for, for also for 35 years, something like that. Um, so those are, those are my biggest hobbies. Um, and then I, I, I got into martial arts when I was in high school and I've been involved in martial arts on and off since then, depending on life circumstances. I have not trained much in the last uh, a few years because of uh, life circumstance and then COVID made it hard. So I'm a little out of shape right now, but I've done a lot of martial arts training. Um, I like going out in nature and walking like, like very mild hikes, you know, like where you, I don't like to camp and sleep, uh, you know, on the ground. I like to stay in a nice hotel and take like an hour walk in a park. That's my thing. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Those are my hobbies. So who are your favorite authors? I have so many. I mean, their favorite and this who's most influential. I mean, if, if I, if I, if I had to read from only one author, I'd probably pick Steven Erickson, uh, who wrote the Malazan Book of the Fallen. It's probably probably my favorite book series, I think. Um, but there's a lot of of writers who had huge influence on me. Um, um, I, I, I read a lot of Steve Perry, Stephen, all these Steves. I don't know why so many of my favorite authors are named Stephen. It's just very strange coincidence. Barnes, Stephen Perry, and Stephen Erickson are three of my favorite writers, which is very strange. Um, I've read, like I said, a lot of comic books. I mean, you can see a lot of uh, Jim Starlin in what I write, um, John Byrne, um, No Relation there with John Byrne. Um, now, now I'm going to have a hard time thinking of others. But, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm 51, so I've read a lot of stuff. And uh, there's been a lot of uh, good writers along the way. So Definitely. So if you describe all your favorite Steve 
in uh, what kind <laughs> of writing they are doing, what are they? It's all science fiction and fantasy. Uh, my favorite, my favorite comic books are the science fiction ones. You know, comic books that take place in space. So, like, if you look at the Marvel universe, you know, there's there are books, you know, comics take place in different places. But uh, my favorites were always like uh, Nova, and um, there was a comic called The Griffin that came out from DC that took place like largely in space. I don't know uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which people know from the movie, but which I was a fan of long before the movie came out. Um, the Jim Starlin stuff like Dreadstar, Warlock. I always loved that. I always loved superheroes on spaceships. I don't really know why. It's just cool. Um, and I've read a lot of science fiction in my day. You know, I, I, I read like E.E. E. Doc Smith wrote the, like the Lensman series. I read that when I was a kid. That was on my parents' bookshelves when I was young, like, you know, 10, 12 years old. I like a lot of martial arts uh, stuff, too, like, like because I was in martial arts. So I like a lot of comic books about martial artists. Uh, so uh th th those two like stories with martial arts steve perry writes science fiction with a lot of martial arts in it which i really like so does stephen barnes steve erickson writes fantasy um but it's so good that even yeah i'd probably pick science fiction over fantasy if i really had to pick but i've read so much of both that i i don't know i don't know i don't have to i don't want i don't really want to choose it's like choosing your favorite child <laughs> Yes, definitely. <laughs> so if you describe or give adjectives of their writing, what is it? Um, probably like uh, in, um, uh, exciting. I mean, I like action stories. Um, empowering. Yeah, maybe empowering is the wrong word. You know, uh, the characters have effic like they have they have control. They do stuff. They have efficacy. They beat the bad guy. They save the day. They manage to. People write literary stories about like regular human beings who like are down, you know, beaten down by their worlds and their environments. And that great literatures can tell stories about that, but I don't really want to read them. That's not what I'm interested in, and that's not what I'm interested in reading. So um, I like stories that do the opposite, where the characters accomplish things. They accomplish their goal. I like happy endings. So you know, uh, it, it's the word. Um, you know, the word I like to use if I wanted to use a word is romance, but not the way we use it now. If you look at the way the word romance was used like a hundred years ago to describe books, what a romance meant was like an, adv an action adventure story. It didn't mean romance in the sense of, you know, couples having romantic love necessarily be in there, but it wasn't necessarily part. like Jules Verne was often described as like a, his books were described as romances. And that's kind of the stuff that I like. I like, I like, you know, operatic opera type. Uh, adventure stories where you know the heroes win the day and the villains are defeated and in cool ways that's the kind of stuff yeah. i like yes so can you please give us an example a novel that you like best that is saying oh this is a romance yeah i mean malazan book of the fallen any of them it's a 10 book series i always think of it as one book because i don't remember what happens in any of the individual books specifically but that 10 book series that there's no greater epic adventure than malazan book of the fallen that i've experienced um what else the man who never missed by stephen perry it's about a, a soldier who's sees too much death and retires and 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 basically takes down an entire intergalactic empire by the force of his own like will and by and his own example and that's a fantastic book that i wish people talked about more it's not new i think it came out in the 80s but um the man who never missed is a and there was a series of, of sort of related novels that came out after that are excellent but um i i must have read that book six times maybe more 
Uh, the newest one just came out. He just released a new one on ebook. Uh, Steve Perry. He's you know uh, it's not it's not published uh, by any of the major publishers, but uh, he self published it. And actually, it's on my Kindle. I need to read it. I haven't gotten to it yet. Comic book world. You know, I'm a big fan of the, of, of of Dread Dread Star from Jim Starlin. There's a lot of other ones. Um, uh, again, it depends on like you know. There's no one comic book, like one issue that is particularly special to me. I always think of it in terms of a run or a series. You know, Dreadstar was was 50 issues or something that were that were great. There's a comic called American Flag that came out in the 80s that was fantastic. There are so many others. Uh, I have a hard time picking. I really liked uh, Peter David's run on Incredible Hulk, especially towards the end. You know, he did a whole series, a whole sequence where basically the Hulk retained the uh, memory of Bruce, the mind of Bruce Banner while in the Hulk's body and basically tried to reshape the earth. And that was fabulous. Another comic that I can't recommend highly enough is called Planetary. And that was sort of about um, a group of people who are sort of, sort of superhero archaeologists digging into the, the past. So it had this, you know, this wonderful like um, unfolding of the secret history of this world full of supernatural beings. And uh, that was that was just fabulously done. There are, there are more. I mean, like I said, when, yes. when you're old enough, when you're old enough, you just accumulate, you know, <laughs> so many, so many more. good properties that uh, I could go on and on, but uh, I'll stop there. Definitely. So enlighten us. What are the big difference of a comic or a manga? I mean, technically. Okay. So, I mean, on, on the most superficial level, comics i mean manga are, are is a japanese word it has to be japanese right like if it's not mm-hmm. made so but people in america will publish com will publish comic books that they say this is manga like or it's in a manga style so what do they mean and it's a couple big differences one is that um you know manga are almost always owned by their creators the properties so if you read a manga like naruto you know the character and all all the all the things that happen in Naruto are owned by the mangaka, the guy who 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 you know the the original writer. It's not owned by the company by Shonen Jump, the company that publishes the comics, which means that one guy writes it for you know maybe you know as many as twenty or thirty years. You know uh, the right the whole story is coming from one person, their vision. They might have like a crossover, like funny little ten ten page thing with another character, but. They don't have to answer to anybody else and they can get canceled if they don't sell enough. But um, unlike, say, take some character like Batman, like Batman was created. I don't know when in the 30s, maybe the 40s. I can't remember. But, you know, Batman's been written by probably hundreds of different writers, each with their own slightly different version of, of what the character should mean. And they all have to answer to an editor at DC Comics who tells them, oh, you know, if you want to do like this kind of story with Batman, you can't. Right. So they have to answer to all these people. So instead of being one person's vision extended over a whole property, it's a lot of it's a communal thing. Right. And, and bet, whatever happens to Batman has to fit into the DC universe. Like you can't write a Batman story where like the earth is destroyed because then the guy writing Green Lantern in the next cubicle is going to get all upset because now Green Lantern's house is gone because the earth was destroyed. Right. There'd have to be a big editorial meeting. Everyone would have to get together and agree. So comic books in America, for the you know the the big ones, the DC and the Marvels, or it's a shared universe. They're shared characters. If you invent, it's not in your hands anymore. You don't get to keep the reins on that character with you do. So that's part of it. Manga are also much broader in um, scope. So there are manga that are like about sports, that are uh, 
like a daily life of like high school girls. You know, in, in this country, most of our comics are superhero comics. There are some fantasy comics. There are some science fiction comics. But for the most part, it's superhero stories. That's not true of manga. I mean, there are superhero manga, but that's actually in the minority. There are manga about all types of topics. Um, and they're read by a much broader cut of people. So if you go to Japan, adults will read manga about adult things. You know, it's not just for kids the way comic books used to be and to a certain extent still are. Expanded a little bit in this country. It's less weird for an adult to read comics now than it was like when I was a kid. When I was a kid, it was really the first, the 80s in a long time that it was sort of okay for older people to read comics you know being aimed at a more mature audience even back in the 60s and the 70s comics were really aimed at 12 year olds and and not much older um and that that's that that has shifted somewhat but it's still a little weird if you go to a dinner party and you're an adult uh, uh an educated adult and you tell people i'm a you know, huge comic book fan you'll still get some side eye you know you'll still get some people looking at you like you're a little weird um why don't you grow up already and that's not the case as much in japan as far as i understand Yes, they are widely accepted. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for the enlightenment, Mr. Byrne. My so pleasure. Yes, yeah, so let's talk about your Davio novel. Thank you. And how did you craft it, Wishful Ascending? How did I craft it? So I, you know, people say, where do you get your ideas from? And for me, for the most part, I get my ideas from reading something that I really like but with an aspect of it or a part of it that kind of bugs me. There's something that I think is a mistake or it doesn't quite fit my tastes, but other parts of the property I love. And, and when that happens, my mind starts to drift and I start to think, how would I do this? How would I make it different so that it would satisfy my peculiar uh, uh, idiosyncrasies? You know, Whatever it is that, that bug me, how would I fix it? And it doesn't mean it needs to be fixed. It doesn't mean other people care, but for me, how could I improve it or, 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 or ban, you know, put a, how could I get a bandaid on that little part of it that, that I don't like? And so uh, there was this wonderful comic by Robert Cookman, the guy who uh, wrote The Walking Dead, and he's probably better known for The Walking Dead. The comic is called Invincible, and it was um, it, pretty well known, not, not super well known. It's actually a, also a cartoon on Amazon, and that was excellent. One season's out, second season's supposed to come out this year. Can't recommend it enough. And there was, if you read Invincible, you'll notice that the main character is very similar to in some ways, not a lot, but some. Um, they're both kind of snarky. They both actually have very similar like superpowers. They both have fathers who are aliens, and that's where they get powers from. But there's a couple things about the balance of power in Invincible and some of the ramifications of, 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 of the setup. That, that kind of annoyed me. You know, I always like, if there's a, there's a balance of power in, 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 you know, across like a galaxy, like, you know, if there's a way for it's, it's, it's the kind of thing that bothers me about like magic and superpowers and stuff is that if someone has a way to like, you know, create overwhelming power somehow and no one's done it, I need to know why no one's done it. Like if there's a trick, like uh, it's like, if you've ever seen the Iron Man movies at some point, Iron Man builds a whole, and um, I always want to know, you know, like, if you could build an army of suits, why didn't you do that to begin with? Why are, why, why do we even need the other heroes? Why don't you just build like a whole bunch of Iron Man suits and you can take out all the bad guys like, by yourself? Um, you don't need uh, help. Um, so that kind of stuff bugs me. So there's one aspect of that in Invincible that bugged me. 
and I wrote this entire uh, so far uh, four book series um, just to uh, to fix that one problem. And then I just throw stuff that I love in there. You know, if I if there are things that I like, you know, I have a magic system that I've been working on for for a long time, where I try to uh, you know have it make sense, have it be balanced, um, answer all the pro you know the questions that people raise about magic systems, like uh, like you know similar kind of questions, like if a certain kind of magic is available, is it being used the way you would think it would be used, right? So like if you have like telepathy in your magic system, well. Do people who run the courts, do they use telepaths to question witnesses? And if they don't, why not? So I have a lot of background and work done in my magic system to try to make it make sense of it in the sense that the society makes sense, given that these powers exist. Sounds interesting, yeah. Mr. Byrne. Thank you. So Wishful Ascending, what behind the title of your Darby novel? So Wistful is the name of a space station. So uh, our main character, Rohan of Earth, um, has he has retired. He lives on Wistful, the space station. It's a sentient, she's a sentient space station. She's an artificial intelligence. Very large, two million inhabitants, uh, many kilometers long. And uh, she's off in a, in a system with no inhabited planets. And he's uh, he tows ships. So, uh, you know, when you fly up to Wistful, you don't just fly right up to her. Uh, you have to she wants you to be towed in because, you know, doesn't want any accidents happening where you accidentally crash into her. Doesn't trust other ships to just fly up. So he tows ships. He's literally a lit. And, um, and, and then stuff happens. Basically, it's a that opens up that hasn't opened in a very long time. A lot of people are interested. Well, if these wormholes are opening, what's on the other side? Is it valuable? Is it useful? Is it dangerous? So... Wistful, this sleepy station sort of off in the corner of the galaxy and where no one's really paying much attention, all of a sudden becomes a much more important place. So her position in the political sphere is ascending, it's climbing, which isn't necessarily what Rohan wants and it's not necessarily what Wistful wants, but it's out of their hands. And they have to respond to that. And that's really what the first book is about. And the book is also about Rohan. Rohan means ascending in Sanskrit. And you know, Rohan finds himself all of a sudden at the center of it on this station where he didn't want to be the center of anyone's attention. He didn't want people looking into his past. He didn't want uh, people noticing him or, 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 or uh, he didn't want to get involved in conflicts. Mm -hmm. So he's feeling fairly wistful about that as it happens. So the title has a double meaning. All my titles have double meanings. I like that. Amazing. Amazing, Mr. Byrne. Thank you. So. Before we go on, I want to shout out to the people listening in Sweden. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast in Stockholm County. I get 41% audience share. Stockholm at 21%. Jokholm Ping at 15%. Vastra Gotland County at 9%. Dalarna County at 3%. Vastra Gotland at 3%. Uppsala at 3%, and the last but not the least is Kane County at 3%. Thank you for supporting this podcast because this podcast is created to empower writers all over the world, like Mr. GCM Byrne. So let's talk about the main character of your debut novel, Wistful Ascending. What can you say about it? 
so his name is uh, Rohan. He is uh, half human and uh, he is half alien and his alien half has conferred upon him certain. He's basically a very powerful individual and he spent 10 years fighting in the uh, army of his father's empire, uh, the, uh, his father's people. And he doesn't want to fight anymore. So, like I said, he's retired to Wistful to try to have a quiet, peaceful life, uh, you know, towing ships and drinking coffee and um, trying to enjoy his life and not get involved in any mass murder or anything else. No action. And uh, it doesn't work because if it worked, it wouldn't really be a book. Uh, It would, you know, it would just be, uh, I don't know. Uh, It wouldn't be a book. But um, so he's the reluctant hero. Uh, He's a little older. Um, and the gradual unfolding of finding out, you know, what his past is like and why he doesn't want to revisit it and why, you know, he doesn't want people <laughs> bothering him. You, it all unfolds over the course of uh, really several books. Um, and what the future holds, you'll see. I plan to write many more books about Rohan, uh, but people find him, uh, uh, a lot of people seem to like the character. If you read my reviews on like Goodreads or on Amazon, people generally like the characters. People like Rohan. People can identify with a guy who has made mistakes in his past or done things he doesn't approve of in his past and is trying to um, live a better life. And he's that is his uh, you know major characteristic. He's trying to do better than he did in the past. Uh, it doesn't always work. Uh, he fails occasionally, but he is uh, always trying to be a better person. And uh, people identify with that attempt and the failure. People, I think, identify with the fact that he fails sometimes. Um, and many people, not everyone, but many people think he's funny because uh, I put a lot of humor. I put a lot of, let, let me put it this way. I put a lot of attempts at humor in the book. Uh, not everyone will find them all funny, but, uh, you know, I can't control that. But uh, if you like the humor and you find it funny, you'll enjoy the books because uh, that, that's often where I get my uh, some of my my, my uh, strongest uh, positive reviews for the for the humor and for the depth of the world building. You know, it's a complex, a lot of alien races, uh, complex magic system, sentient spaceships, bears, talking bears. People like that stuff. Uh, I don't always know why, but. Yes. So according to uh, K4 show, who does not love a self-deprecating demigod? Oh, wow. <laughs> self-deprecating. You, yep. Yes. You are surprising, feeling breath of fresh air. Oh, How that's sweet. Comment on that. Uh, that's lovely. I, uh, yeah, I'm that, that's, that's what I was trying to do when I wrote the book, A Self-Deprecating Demigod. That's pretty accurate. Uh, you know, I in in some of my marketing, I, I called uh, Rohan as a cross between Thor and Harry Dresden. So I don't know if that's entirely accurate, but uh, but it's pretty much what I was going for. You know, he's got a sense of humor. He doesn't think necessarily. He doesn't always. He doesn't have the most confidence, but but he's also not the. You know, I didn't want to do. I didn't want to go the other extreme and have someone very dark and brooding and uh, you know hostile and self destructive. We've seen that before with the with the reluctant hero, where they are very dark and very you know grim because the shadow of their past is hanging over them. I didn't want to go in that direction either. I tried to sort of tread a middle ground where he has a past he's not happy with, but he's not going to be. He doesn't. He tries not to dwell on it on a daily basis. 
So what are the powers of Draham? If you compare to uh, Thor, if Thor have this mallet, what does Rohan does? Yeah, he just has his hands, but that usually does the trick. So he can, uh, he's, he's uh, very, uh, he's got the, 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 a little bit of the man's, you know, power set, right? He's, he's very strong. He's very fast. He can fly. So he's got, um, um, basically he's got very strong telekinesis. works, it works best on his own body. So he can move himself around really well and he can lift up other things with his, with the power of his mind, but it works even better very fast um he's nearly indestructible and uh, he heals probably quicker than a normal person would and he's got a uh, skills because he spent 10 years um fighting in uh, life and death battles across the galaxy so he he's very familiar with combat and with fighting and he knows a lot about how to win battles and for them but that's the gist of it. I'm trying to think if he has anything else. There are other characters in the setting who we meet who have more specific powers. People manipulate gravity. People can manipulate electricity. Uh, people can manipulate space and create like wormholes, uh, things like that. There are lots of other characters with other more specific powers, but he does not have those. Wow, sounds interesting. Thank so, you. Wishful Ascending is good for a series or a movie. You know, I don't think about that. I'll tell you why. Um, when I write a book, I'm always thinking of it. You know, there's so many ways you have to, you have to look at every chapter. You have to look at it like, is the pacing good? Does it have enough action? Does it have too much action? Does the character development happening at the right pace? If I also had to think, how would this fit into a television episode? It would be too much for my brain to handle. Um so I don't, I don't, I've not really thought about how to chop this because it's a, it's a 120,000 word book. It's 400 pages. I don't know if I could chop it down into a movie and still preserve um, the plot as it is. Maybe I could, but I don't really know. I don't have that skill set. So I think the answer is um, I would take whatever adaptation would get me the most money. So if someone wants to turn this into any kind of other property, graphic novel, movie, TV series, I will decide based on the size of the check they offer me. Yes, indeed. And according to Amazon, you are on 119th spot in superhero fiction. Yeah. And 252 yeah. in superhero super fantasy ebooks. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's been a slow month. I, I was better uh, about a month ago. I was in a, I, I got up to the top 50 in superhero fantasy, but uh, I eased off on my advertising a little bit and I dropped a little bit. And there, I think I'm going to wait until book four comes out and do another advertising push and see if I can get up, back up the rankings. But um, So is this a trilogy or series or? No. So I don't, I, 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 people have asked me that and I kind of have a joking answer, which is it's going to be a 25 book series. And that's, I have a long story in mind. I, I have gradual changes happening to the characters and the situations, and I have a long arc in mind. I don't actually know that it's going to be 25 books, but it's going to take a lot. So I have book four I'm writing, and I have the whole thing planned. I mean, it's outlined. I know exactly what's going to happen in book four. Book five, I have loosely planned. I know pretty much what's going to happen. 
Um, and then it's going to take many more books to finish the story. I don't really know if it's going to be 25, but you have to think it's going to be something like that. Maybe 17 books. Maybe I'll be able to wrap it up in 17 books. But that's the plan. I think uh, Mr. Andy Palakrin having this thought to also have this Blade Assassin to be a 19 series. Oh, wow. If you got 25, you bit him. <laughs> that'd be awesome so yeah. according to one of your uh, reviewers uh, a must read for any sci-fi fans looking for a slice of life a superhero space opera yeah, so I, I think my book's a space opera in the classic sense, you know, you have uh, big, it doesn't really travel much but you know you have a very deep space high technology setting and then a lot of people think of us for sending a slice of life because i i think i spent a lot of time talking about the quiet moments in between bursts of action where the characters are you know sitting around and eating or drinking or um you know and it, i try to give you a little bit of insight into what regular life is like and i think i did that more just because I otherwise the book is just you know nonstop action and it was just it was exhausting, so that's why I put that in there. And people have many people like it, uh, not everyone, not everyone. I certainly have reviewers who think there should be less coffee drinking in the books and more uh, other stuff, but um, it, I think it depends on the reader. Um, so yeah, a lot of slice, a lot of people say slice of life or, um, but there is a decent amount of action in the book. I don't want people to think it's mostly sitting around drinking coffee because that's not accurate either. Yes. Uh, you cannot please everybody. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Absolutely true. Wishful ascending. What do you think the flaws? The flaws. Oh, there are none. It's perfect. Um, I'm sure there are flaws. I mean, again, it depends on the reader. I can tell you what readers have said. I've certainly had readers feel that the uh, the book felt too episodic. So, you know, if they felt like it was just like one event, they didn't feel the the transitions or the connections were strong enough. And that's probably something I I could have fixed if I were. A, I think um, some people there's a romantic subplot in the book that. Read, some people really like it, but some people definitely don't. They feel it's a little, uh, one said it was somewhat immature to them. Other people have said the opposite. So if you want to know what you think, you've got to read it and tell me for yourself. Um, what other flaws are there? I don't know. That's a good one. That's a good one. Well, let's see what the flaws on the, uh, according to your readers, but <laughs> as far as I'm looking right now, they are all five star. I oh no, <laughs> I, I, so I've I've got I, you know I've got I definitely gotten some. I got well, I remember I I read all my reviews, which is a terrible habit. You shouldn't do that. Uh, just if any authors out there don't read all your reviews because it's not a it's not healthy. But I remember some someone someone felt it wasn't surprising enough. I don't know what I can say to that because other people felt it was really refreshing and original. So I don't know. Um, um that's awkward uh one a certain i remember one my one of my first lower star reviews definitely referred to the romance and thought it was it was too much i will say this the the, the romance is not explicit if so if you're uncomfortable with sort of scenes of explicit sexuality that's not in my book i'm not against that in theory i didn't put that in my book that's not really the way i write um but i don't want anyone to i don't want anyone to pick up the book thinking that it's there and hoping to see it or 
I don't want to, I certainly want people avoiding the book because they don't want to see it. What's in the book. Um, again, the, the romance is, is more subtle than that. I like I like to fade to black uh, when, you know, when it comes to the, when it comes to the scenes of intimacy. Um, what other criticisms have I gotten? Yeah. People complain about the story. So the story structure is a little odd. Um, the, 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 you don't have, so we, oh, typically in, 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 in books like this, you get a sense early on of who the, what the, what the, the, the conflict is, you know, there's, there's a bad guy, there's an evil empire taking over, there's a villain, there's a, a thing the hero wants, like a, like an object, the Maltese Falcon, the guy's trying to get the Maltese Falcon. There's something that you find early in the book story and that carries through the plot, through the whole thing. And at the end, you find out, do they get the Maltese Falcon? Do they defeat the evil empire? Something like that. And that's a very typical way to structure stories. And Wistful Ascending really doesn't have that. So things happen that are all stem stemming from this wormhole opening. And there's a lot of characters introduced and a lot of different, like smaller conflicts arise from it. But what you don't have is one single um, uh, MacGuffin. You don't have a bad guy showing up at the beginning and he's the bad guy. And we fight him three times. And at the end we defeat him. That's not the kind of book it is. And some people are really thrown off by that, that I don't want to say lack of, yeah, you can say it's a lack of structure. Maybe it's not a lack of structure, but it's an unusual structure. So if you don't like that, if you like your structures that are typical and, and standard and familiar, you're not going to like this book because it doesn't have a familiar uh, pattern to the events that are similar to other books. Yes. So do you think negative reviews make you better in the process? Um, it, the, the Total mix. So there are negative reviews that just tell me that my book was not for... See... Okay, I, I can't speak for everybody, but when I write, I know what I am trying to accomplish. Like I know the tone I want to set. I know the kind of the kind of characters I want. I like I know how fu how funny I want it. I know how dark I want it or don't want it. I know how much romance I want or don't want. I have a very strong sense of that from before I write the first word. Um, so what what reviews will tell me sometimes is sometimes they'll tell me that someone will say, well, the humor in this book wasn't good and then i'm I, and the person just doesn't think i'm funny and there's nothing wrong with that but that just means that's not the reader for me uh and i'm not the writer for them so that doesn't really help me uh it doesn't help me like write another book i'm not going to change my humor i can't like my humor is my humor right there's no there's no deliberation to it i, I what i think is funny i think is funny i'm going to put it in the book that guy probably shouldn't read more of my books the guy who thought i wasn't funny and there's nothing you know, nothing wrong with that everyone's entitled to their feelings and their opinion their reaction it's totally legitimate but um but that reviewer just like i said not for me um the 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 some some reviewers were i'm trying yes. to think i'm trying to think of a negative review that really helped me i definitely got criticism from beta readers um, that really helped me change the book. And by the time the book came out, I definitely got some criticism about the structure and about the transitions that I think I, I have learned from and tried to use to make later books a little smoother. Um, but most of the very negative reviews are just people telling me the book wasn't for them. Mm -hmm. uh, even more even more in the second book. The second book, I got even more negative reviews. The second book, the character comes back um, there's apparently some uh, there's some politics in there which I couldn't really avoid. 
because I had to say, what would, what would Earth be like in this alternate world where they have like alien technology and they have they're part of a galactic you know galactic political setting? I couldn't just make the Earth just like our Earth, you know, in exactly all the same ways. It wouldn't make any sense. Well, how it could be just like our Earth if there are you know superheroes flying around, right? That's going to change things. And so some people felt some of my 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 own politics influenced the politics as they showed up on earth in the second book and people i don't know if you're familiar with american politics but it's a little polarized <laughs> yes uh, so some people were uh, uh, upset and offended by my take on american po polit politics and the political parties and again i think that just they weren't the right readers for the book i feel like i need a, a trigger warning or something on the, on the front like a little sticker that says um you know if you voted you know if you feel strong politics um this book may upset or delight you depending yes so are you the writer that you plan first before you dig into okay that's yeah, interesting almost every detail of my not every detail but i have extensive plans before i start writing otherwise i can't write i need i need everything has to be tied in together before i write the first sentence ends i need to know all the threads all the themes all the plot lines how they're going to work i do have areas that i will leave vague like i remember i wrote i wrote my last book and i had an outline it just sort of said like uh two chapters of like the heroes running around the station like trying to get away from bad guys and that's all i wrote and I, I worked out the details when I actually got to those chapters in the writing, but I knew basically what had to happen in those chapters, even though there's only like one sentence describing it. Um, and then I come up with stuff to, you know, the, I embellish the details. I come up with new details. Like I'll, I'll put a character in, like uh, there was a doctor and I had, I needed a doctor character. So I just had that in my outline. When I actually wrote the doctor, I added stuff to her character. I made her a drug addict and I had some very funny moments about her and painkillers and um, I, I, you know, that all came up in the spur of the moment. So it's always a mix, but, but, but really the plot has to be, so there are details I come up with as I write, but the plot has to be pretty much done before I start writing. I have to know how it's going to end. I have to know how all the threads are going to work together. Otherwise I can't, I don't, you know, I can't just sit and write. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, people can, I mean, other people I know do. But I, for me, I would just sit there and stare at, a, at an empty page. I would never, nothing would happen. Yes, definitely. So before we go on, Mr. Byrne, I'm inviting you to listen to my other podcast, Food 101, our third season with Chef Alessandro, one of the executive chefs in one of the Five Star Hotel in downtown Toronto. So please oh, do listen. I will. Food, Thank you. Food 101. So, Mr. Byrne, are you independent author or traditional? Oh, yes, I'm independent. Um, I, I never found a, an agent who was interested in a superhero and space story. Uh, the, the traditional publishing only seems interested in these stories when they are uh, sort of deconstructing the superhero genre. They're doing some, some take, making it very grim or trying to make a, a some kind of social claim on it. Um, do something where it's very different from a comic book. And what I was trying to do more than that was write what a kind of story that you might find in a comic book from the seventies um, and, and just do it really well. And that's not what traditional publishing is interested in right now. So uh, I spent a little bit of time trying to find an agent, but honestly not much. So Nope, this is all me. 
I hired so, my own artist. I hired an editor. Uh, I hired an a narrator for the Audible for Wistful Ascending. And uh, yeah, these books are mine. So do you think what is the pros and cons of indie publishing? Well, first of all, if you can get a traditional deal, take it. Um, I don't. I know people sometimes say indie is better because you have. So there are advantages, right? So, so indie, you have a full control. So there's no chance that someone's going to put a cover on this book that I don't like because there's no book. I choose the cover. If I don't like it, I might have wasted my money. Like the artist can hand me a cover I don't like, and I can say I don't like the cover, and I wasted my money, but I don't have to use it. But if you go you're going to have to face an editor someone else is doing your marketing someone else is putting the cover on it someone else is writing your blurb and you don't have control over any of that the other advantage is like if you have a series like mine you you probably can't convince a i don't think anyone can convince a publisher to sign off and say we will publish your 25 book series that is never going to happen if you publish the first two or three they might contract you for that. And then if they sell really well, they might keep contracting you and you might get to 25, like Jim Butcher with the Dresden Files. But no one is going to take an unknown writer who's never sold a book and say, we will sign you to, to publish your 25 book series. That is never going to happen. But as an independent publisher, as an independent you know, writer, as an indie writer, I can just say, I'm, I'm going to publish all 25 books. And you know, I may not be able to afford the nicest covers for them or I may run out of money, but they're coming out. Right. I can I can guarantee that I know no one can tell me no or that I have to stop. So um, there's some freedom there. Like No one can cancel my series. Yes, you know? definitely. So what is your aspiring message to all those people who want to publish their stories as indie publishing or indie author? That's a good one. That's a good question. Um, thing that can probably happen is you publish a crappy book and no one likes it. And 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 uh, the the. the I don't know how inspiring that is. Let's try this. If you if you think you want to write a book and publish it, uh, and you are daunted by the fact that it will take take months, just think about it. A year from now, you're going to be a year older, no matter what. What you get to choose is: Are you going to spend some time this year writing your book, it, and then a year from now, you'll be a year older with a book on Amazon with your name, or will you still be a year older but not have a book? So like people get daunted by the time investment, but really you're going to age either in that time playing video games or whatever, or you can write a book. So if you really want to try it, but it's hard. It's hard to write a good book. It's really hard. Uh, I, 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 I don't know if I have inspiring messages. I always tell new authors, your first draft will be very bad. I don't care who you are. It's going to take a lot of work to turn that first draft into a if, you, if it's possible at all, it will take a lot of work to turn it into a very good book, but it is possible. Yes. Listen to Mr. JCM. Burn. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Wishful Ascending. What else you can say about your debut novel? I, I, I can, it's only 99 cents ebook. It's on permanent sale. Uh, there's also an audiobook available um, on Audible uh, for a regular Audible credit. It's like um and uh you should try it if you like action if you are interested in space opera superheroes space stations um if you like uh witty characters who act like adults um uh act like grown-ups uh yeah uh tr there's some kids i got well I, there's a kid um there are bears 
people like the bears i don't really know why oh i like the bears i don't know why they're fun but they are fun um if you like any of that stuff give the book a try and you don't have too much to lose it's on kindle limited so if you have a ku account it's free and uh you if you are curious but you don't want to try go read some of the reviews go on amazon go on goodreads read my reviews go to youtube type wistful ascending into the youtube search box and you can watch a number of booktubers have done video reviews of the book dedicated reviews and uh see if they can convince you yes uh, uh had 164 global ratings people <laughs> yeah. got 74 percent five star so yeah. Please support Mr. Burn because Wishful Ascending is nominal according to the rating. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so right? much. Yes. So, Wishful Ascending, what did you learn from your Davi novel? I mean, most of what I learned had to do with the craft of writing. Um, and a lot of that's a little hard to explain. But, you know, I wrote the book and I thought it was great. And I, you know, showed it to my friends and I showed it to people and then. I realized that there might be some quality things about it, but it wasn't a good book. There was too much I didn't know about things like grammar and um, the things that any aspiring writer should know. If you just take some writing classes or watch some videos on how to write, you'll pick up these things. But I didn't do any of that because I'm stupid. I, I just decided I read so many books. I know how to write one. And that is not accurate. Right. Knowing how to reading a lot doesn't necessarily mean you know how to write. Those are different things. You may have picked up how to write from reading a lot, but it's not necessarily. So I learned a lot of details uh, about writing. And I think most of it would be really boring to go through, Uh, you know, things like passive voice and active voice and uh, a lot of grammatical stuff and stuff about story structure and about pacing um, that I learned by making mistakes. Um, and uh yeah then i actually after i released was full sending i spent a year like taking courses and like studying writing and talking hiring an editor and i completely i think i touched every sentence is different and i re-released it so if you're reading the book now if you buy it today which you should um you're going to get what amounts to like a third edition quite quite the story is the same as the first edition right nothing's really changed in from a global perspective but every paragraph is better than it was in that first book. So what I learned is no one's a natural writer. It takes work and it takes craft and it takes deliberation and readings books take money. You can, you can learn to be a, a writer. You don't have to get an MFA. You don't have to go to college for it. You can learn a lot of this stuff by reading books that are either free or cheap um, to buy. You can watch YouTube videos like Brandon Sanderson's, you know, how to write, fantasy or science fiction lectures from from the course at Brigham Young. Those are on YouTube. They're free. Uh, as long as you have an internet uh, internet connection. And if you don't have internet connection, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. So as long as you have an internet connection and, and, and a computer, you can you can consume so much of this stuff. The, the show Writing Excuses, the podcast, had tremendous value. I listened to every, uh, I think every every episode, I think I'm almost caught up on that. Um, yeah, so, so if you want to write, don't, you know, write sure but also learn learn how to write and find other people who can help you by critiquing what you're doing because when again pretty much i don't know anyone who's written a first draft that was any good it's just not going to happen that's just not how it works you need help you need look at what you're doing and tell you where you went wrong because you're not going to see it at first you can learn to see it but it takes time and practice um so early on you're going to definitely need other people to tell you where you screwed up and and that's okay
because that's true of every successful writer. They've all written terrible first drafts. Everyone, every writer you love has written a first draft that was awful. Yes, people mistake Mickey perfect. So don't be afraid to commit mistake. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Wishful ascending. If you want to revise again, which chapter do you want to revise? I don't think about that. Which chapter? Would I... I I probably like the my least favorite part of the book is probably the prologue. So I did this thing in the book that not everyone liked. A lot of people didn't like it. Where the prologue is sort of a, a little slice of action from near the end of the book, and because I didn't want to start off too slow, I wanted you to start off right away. Book you were getting into that it was it was an, a space sh thing, but it, characters had magical powers. They were you know flying around in space without spacesuits. You know. Just so anyone who's looking for like a hard science fiction like The Martian, this isn't that. I wanted people to understand what, you know, what the genre was. Um, so I started off with this big action sequence. And it, 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 some people definitely like it, but some people don't. And I, I, I rewrote that, that prologue words or, or something like that. It's a few pages. Uh, I rewrote that you know, a dozen times. And I never really got it where I was really happy with it. I think, I think the... Wistful Sending, I don't think the first page is amazing. I think if you read the, if you get halfway through the book, you're going to be hooked, but I don't think the first page is great. Um, and I tried to make it great and I never managed it. So yeah, if I was going to fix anything or rewrite anything again, I'd probably do the first, the prologue of the, the, which again, 1500 words, 2000 words, maybe something like that, but I never quite got it to where I would like it. Very well said, Mr. Burns. So please invite again our listeners to buy all your books. Yeah, please go to uh, Amazon. All my books are exclusive to Amazon. Go to uh, type in Wistful Ascending or JCM Burn. It's B-E-R-N-E. And uh, you'll find Wistful Ascending. You should read that first. Return of the Griffin is this. And the third book is Blood Reunion. And then if you sign up, go to jcmburn.com, sign up for my newsletter. And don't worry, I almost never send newsletters. I will not spam your email account. I think I've sent like one this year. So I'm terrible at that. But you'll get two free short stories if you're interested. They're okay. Uh, they're not as good as the novels, in my opinion. I think other people agree. But they're fun and they're free. So if you want to read more, there's more stuff to reread. Yes. Free giveaway to learn the writings of Mr. Byrne. Mr. Byrne, thank you for your time. Thank you. I appreciate you very much, uh, Mr. Daniel Lucas. It's a great what service you're doing. Yes, because I told you this podcast I created to empower writers all over the world, most especially indie people or indie authors. Thank you. We need to promote your books so that people read it. And I want to see uh, this wishful ascending as a motion picture <laughs> of a series. <laughs> One, oh, more, yeah. question. One sure. more question. If you compare wishful ascending to uh, science fiction movies, which one you can compare? Uh, Thor, the third Thor movie. The third oh. Thor movie. Awesome. That sounds interesting. So once again, thank you for your time, Mr. Byrne. Morgan people, see you soon.